Hello and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rupay. He's Chris Stanziel. As we mentioned last time, it was a big, big weekend in Villanova sports. So we've got a lot to talk about and we're going to jump right into it. So Chris, I got some news for you. Well, do you want to hear the good news first or the bad news first? Oh, I hate these decisions. Uh, give me the good news. All right, all right. We're going we're gonna to go uh, glass half full. Glass half full first. I like it. Okay. We have a new national champion. And his name is Pat Tiernan! 2016 cross-country national champion. Did it in 29 minutes and 22 seconds. Beat out Edward Chesuit. Patrick Tiernan, the GOAT, pulled what you and I thought was the undoable. Very small chance, at least we thought. And I'm sure many out there did too. Mm-hmm. He won the national championship. But he didn't just win the national championship. He beat three-time champion Edward Cheserick. The year of the Cats continues. It, it is unbelievable what just Villanova Sports is doing right now. I love it. Did you get to catch the live stream, or did your office block everything? <laughs> no, I actually did not get uh, catch the live stream. The office, they put some uh, lockdown on fun sites. <laughs> I got to catch the last half of the race, which is really its really all you need when you watch a race. Like, you don't really need to see the beginning. Right, right. And it was an exciting race. It was a lot like last year. 10-kilometer course. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Tiernan, Cheserick, and also Syracuse's Justin Knight. He was in the mix. It was those three guys. They're all right with each other. Then everybody else all the way back there. And around the 8-kilometer mark, this is where Tiernan lagged behind last year, but not this time. He and Knight spurred ahead of Cheserick, leaving the man behind. The Oregon Duck. Eventually, Knight was lagging behind Tiernan towards the very end. And Patrick Tiernan was able to finish five seconds ahead of Knight for first place. And the two had a nice sportsmanlike hug at the end. Aw, it was like a little happy ending there. Yeah, I'm surprised that the Syracuse kid came out of nowhere. A real dark horse and, and threw a monkey wrench into this whole operation for Tiernan to, you know, obliterate Cheserick. But, uh... But yeah, I mean, he still he still did. It was just, you know, one over three instead of one over two. Yeah, exactly. Like, this guy could have come out of nowhere and just literally beat out everybody. Yeah, this, this was crazy. That, that would have been <laughs> – that would have been a real upset, too. It's all, it, it was always uh, Tiernan Cheserick, Tiernan Cheserick, and then you throw some kid from Syracuse in there. And I out. <laughs> but once again, the Cuse was juiced. But as for Cheserick, he finished in third place. Almost 26 seconds after Tiernan crossed the finish line. Wait a minute. 26 seconds. That sounds familiar. Didn't, didn't, wait, did Tiernan lose? Didn't Tiernan lose to Cheswick last year by 26 seconds? Yeah, was, yeah. You know what? Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. That's some weird stuff. Oh. That's some weird, weird stuff. That's like Illuminati stuff. Right? That sounds up. Something. New World Order, Illuminati. Yeah. I'm sure. All the planets were aligned. I'm sure someone's going to make a video about it, counting letters, assigning them values in everybody's names, and somehow that's, yeah, a new world order type ordeal. Now at the end of the race, you can imagine, Cheserick, he wasn't really a happy camper. Hmm. Heading into the race, he's participated in 17 NCAA cross-country, indoor, and outdoor national championship races. And as we went over last time, he's finished first in 15 of those races. Hmm including a three-peat as cross-country champion. So this is, definitely a, this is definitely a big deal. Oh, yeah, this is huge. Whenever you're given a nickname, King Chess, like, I mean, come on, you got to live up to it somehow. I mean, at least he won to earn that nickname, unlike um, some other kings in sports, like King James. But now he's won, so I'll give him that. Or King Henrik of the New York Rangers. So it's not yet won. But there is a new king in town now, and his name is King, king Patrick. I really hope that Edward Cheswick, good old Ed, mm-hmm. Eddie, I really hope he didn't give himself that nickname. I really hope he didn't. I, I, I don't know if LeBron gave himself that nickname. No, I kind of felt like LeBron was just a product of the hype. But 
I, I felt like LeBron heard that and he completely ro- he ran oh, with yeah. it. He didn't just roll with it; he ran with it. <laughs> yes. But I mean, when you win fifteen titles, okay, like you, you deserve it. You're you're a king, but not anymore. Like you said, there's King Patrick. Yeah, been dethroned. I saw this funny SpongeBob meme, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like. Hello, is this the national champion Edward Cheswick? And it's like Patrick, yeah, yeah. star at the Krusty Krabs. Like, no, this is Patrick. <laughs> oh my god, who came up with that? That's actually pretty funny. Uh, I don't know. I, speaking of, I don't know. I guess internet pictures. I saw the I saw the picture of uh, Tiernan giving the shush as he crossed the finish line. That was pretty. Oh yeah, that was that was nice. That should be a meme. Now, yeah, when we spoke to him, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't really show that much emotion when it comes to beating out the other guys. You know, he keeps it humble. He's not that. Bad. He keeps it pretty low key. Yeah, you know, he puts his head down. He he puts in his hours of practice, and then he goes home. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the blue collar guy you like. Yeah. But then when you see him give him that sush, I I like that little show of personality. I like it. Yeah, that was awesome, and it showed that he actually, you know, no matter what he said, he. Paying attention to what everybody was saying about Chazerick and Tiernan and Rivalry, and yeah, you know, he's on top, and to the victor goes the spoils. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people, maybe even myself included, had Chazerick penciled in for a fourth. I mean, it's just hard. Like when you win 15 national titles, right? Exactly. Yeah, we we both did, and like, and running's not like a running's not a sport where it's like you know one thing can go this way, and then you know there might be an upset, like. Running is it's a time like you know where you're gonna finish most likely. It's very it's more times than not you you can easily predict. It, but I guess this weekend and change for the better. I'm gonna go out there and with a hot take, and I said this a little bit last time. This this might be bigger than the basketball championship, but unfortunately, no one's gonna care. <laughs> or, That's the sad part. Or no one knows. Or even worse, someone can just pick up the story and act like they've been there the whole time, but. You know, Tiernan, he became the first cross-country mail runner at Nova to win nationals since Vic Swolak. What a name. I like that. It's Vic Swolak. He did it in 1963. Well, that's been a while. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> was that Woodstock? Was, was, no, Woodstock was six years later, I think. Yeah, it was 69. It, it, it's easy to remember Woodstock. Yeah. Of course. Sorry, I'm a child. And he's also the first and only four-time All-American cross-country runner. He's he's got to be up there with one of the best Villanova athletes to ever have graced 800 East Lancaster Ave. Yeah, but I I 100 agree, and the fact that I even got to be in the same class as him is pretty cool. Hopefully, I get to tell my kids about that one. Yeah. You know, shout out to Patrick Tiernan and shout out to history. So, we got Tiernan. He got his he got his goods. Mm-hmm. But there was another team that also won another kind of tournament, albeit not not as big as a national championship. They did it. They did do that in April. The men's basketball team they won the Charleston Classic, and regardless of the competition not being top tier, we said that we would only be satisfied if they didn't lose, because they had way more to lose than to gain from all this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll take the fact that they won the rec league tournament. Yeah. It was nice. Did you watch it all this weekend? I got to watch the UCF game. Okay. And I was following the Western Michigan game as I was on my way to New York for the 2K Classic. Right. And I also did follow the Wake Forest game. But by the time I turned that on, it was over. I remember you told me about the Western Michigan game. Mm-hmm. And that was a little too close for comfort. Just, just a little, just a little bit. Yeah, I, I would agree. <laughs> they, they were. It was, were, it was pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, that was the type of game where you let a team hang around for a little bit too long, and you go dry, and then they next thing you know, you're losing. But I guess we just have a good closer mentality, and we were able to finish that one off. That was. Yeah, cool. they really dug deep, and Eric Pascal came off the bench. Yeah, he had a, he had a good game against Western Michigan, and they needed it too. The Broncos were. Picking apart that press like it was nothing. And that was very scary. Yeah. Now there's footage out there. There's live footage on how to break down that Villanova defense. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's not good. Because once you get the blueprint, it's, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It, it can be easily done. Unfortunately, 
I don't think Wake Forest was paying much attention because they got smashed the next day. <laughs> I didn't. That didn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, our defense really locked down. Whether it be the fact that you know, they were upset that they gave up over seventy points for the first time in a while, or, or I don't know, maybe Wake Forest just isn't as good as they their record was. I know they were on like three and zero, but I mean they really didn't play much, and they are supposed to be a bottom feeder of the ACC. The DePaul of the ACC. Yeah. No, so I, I wouldn't say that bad. Well, I wouldn't say that, like, historically, but given the current state and moment, yes. Yeah, that's right. I would, I would say college is also terrible. Yeah. I, I would say Boston College is one of them, considering they haven't won a conference game in football or basketball. After they beat Wake Forest, they beat the 7-6 Taco Fall-led UCF Knights. Until Villanova played him, and I was looking at the scouting report that was prepared by Jack Brooks, one of our own, and I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot he was a he was a guy." Yeah, remember he was like ESPN hyped him up so much, like in high school, and then now that he's actually playing for a team that no one knows has a basketball team, I don't know. I guess everyone kind of just forgot about. And yeah, I, I when I saw Villanova playing UCF, I'm like, "All right, no big deal." And I was like, "Oh, Taco, there you are." <laughs> um, he was very, very big. He was big. He went 10 for 10. He made it look so easy. Like, it was it was effortless. Yeah, I know. Daryl? It was like when you go on 2K and you make the guy max <laughs> height, max weight, and you have a field day. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Daryl is – I've seen Daryl Reynolds in person. He's a pretty big dude. Would you agree? He's a pretty big dude. Yeah, he's pretty big. He's 6'10". He couldn't. <laughs> he was getting powered by Taco, and I thought Daryl played pretty well yesterday. All things considered, but Taco just—he would just like drop the ball on his head through the hoop because he was just that tall. It was nuts. Yeah, and then they put the—they uh, put Pascal on him too, and Pascal, who uh, thank God I don't have to play another big center now that Isaac Haas is gone from Purdue. Next thing you know, it gets bigger. I know. <laughs> It's like a mega evolution, Pokemon style. The tallest player in college basketball, Taco Fall. Guy in ESPN, though, he, he said that Taco Fall is one of the top 40 tallest people in the world. I, I don't... I could, I could believe that. I, I mean, I guess so. When you think about it, I, I, I'd have to... He is 7'6". Yeah. I don't know. I, don't I think know. Shaq 7'3". Josh Hart was named tournament MVP. He averaged 19.7 points per game. And 5.7 boards per game over the three games that he played at the Charleston Classic. What are some takeaways from the tournament, Chris? Jalen Brunson can throw it down with the best of them. <laughs> he had it in him. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even know he I could I thought talk. it was all about the sweet Euro step. Yeah, the Euro step is what makes the world go around. But here we are again, Jalen throwing down big boy dunks. I guess he's taking inspiration from Bridges because every time Bridges drives, it is just a guaranteed left-handed slam. He must have been doing a lot of those plyometrics, working on his hops and his agility. <laughs> Putting salt in your shoes, making you grow taller. <laughs> that's what Michael Jordan did. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's what they tell everyone to do. Yeah, and you'll be just like mine. I tried every day. I'm still, I'm still waiting. Yeah, I, I've tried to. I feel like I don't have the right brand, <laughs> but maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> right, the wrong brand is salt. Makes sense. Got it. Duly noted. So we also had versus Booth storyline, which is weird how we talked about it last Thursday, and it came into fruition on Sunday when Bridges started over Booth against UCF. Now, granted, Phil Booth's knee is apparently still hurting from last year. He got it drained over the summer. Chris, what's your level of concern right now? Uh, it, I wouldn't say it's like DEFCON 5, but it, I, I would say it's, it's pretty high. I mean, you don't. You never want to see a knee injury that lingers. I mean, once you kind of get that thing cleaned up, you kind of want to just, you know, go on with your season and, you know, play to your fullest ability. But now that it's nagging, and I, I don't know, is he going to have to get it drained again? I, 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 have, I have no idea what they're doing with it. Um, they say it's tendonitis. At least that's what they said on the broadcast yesterday. But uh, yeah, I, I, you, you need Phil Booth. I mean, I like Dante as as a player, but I don't think he's ready to be the seventh man right now, and I don't think Villanova can get through a whole season unscathed 
going uh, seven deep. So you need Phil out there, and I, I really hope he, he's okay. Yeah, no team should go seven deep. That's that's pretty that's pretty skim. Yeah, that's asking for uh, that's asking for trouble. And I mean, I guess you can make the argument. Well, Dylan Painter can be the eighth guy, but he's he's clearly not ready. So yeah, yeah, he's clearly not getting the minutes that he was expected to get. Really, yeah. And if you're not getting the minutes, there's definitely a reason why. Whether it's you're not ready or it's something that coaches are seeing in practice, maybe he's even redshirting. We don't even know that. That was that was a possibility thrown like way, way, way back. Mm-hmm. We'll keep an eye on Phil Booth and his knees. And maybe mono. We'll 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 we'll, we'll keep a close eye. They said that they were gonna get it examined this week, so I'm sure something will happen by tomorrow's Charleston game. Yeah, I mean, if it if there is a time to get injured, so to speak, I guess it's now. I guess you're you're still in the cupcake portion of your schedule, so if you want to sit them out for the time being until you start playing the big boys again, I'm all for it. But yeah, I I, I hope he's now. This was also a good time to be Dante Divincenzo. He looked great in the last two games of the Charleston Classic. Red Velvet was efficient in the game against Wake Forest, shooting four for six. You know, we love we love our efficiency on the show. Mm-hmm. Got his 12 points, four rebounds. He'll take it. And then against UCF, he scored 13 points and grabbed four rebounds. What did you think about Mr. DiVincenzo coming off the bench? Oh, he, he played great. I mean, I just mentioned it before. I, I, I really like what Dante's showing so far. I mean, Josh Hart won the MVP, but I guess – Dante was the ultimate X factor in this. And if they gave out a six-man award, I guess they could have given it to him. It, one one thing I actually mentioned to my brother while I was watching the game with him yesterday is that he doesn't take ill-advised shots. And I think that's a very key thing, especially for a young player. He's always looking for the extra pass, and he's always you know, he's not like I said he's not he's not taking ill-advised shots. He's not forcing anything. I think there was maybe one or two shots in the UCF game where it did kind of feel like a four shot, but, I mean, one out of 11, I mean, I'll take it considering what some uh, some other players have been doing lately. Yeah, I remember in the few games, the handful of games he played at the beginning of the 2015-16 season, he was taking some questionable shots. Yeah. He showed glimpses of being, like, an athlete, very athletic guy. Mm-hmm. can really jump and get up there. Mm-hmm. But some of those shots – a little questionable. Hit the side of the backboard a few times. But now he's he seems to be getting it. He seems to be a lot more comfortable this time around and a lot more ready, too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, his, his three-point shooting is fantastic. I mean, I, I expect it's going to regress at some point. But I mean, if you keep putting up those numbers off the bench, I mean, you definitely earned your role. So, and you'll definitely earn more minutes down the road. This was Villanova's fourth straight non-conference regular season tournament championship stretching back to 2013 where you had the battle for Atlantis. Then the year after you had JVP's block against Michigan and the legends classic. Then you had an empty Barclays center (laughs) during Thanksgiving day and black Friday tip off. And now in 2016, the double a intramural league. (laughs) Yeah. Those uh, those tournaments get progressively worse as you uh, move down the timeline. Although the legends classic was, was pretty baller too. I mean, it was really it, – it it peaked with Battle for Atlantis and then slowly dropped off. But yeah, the NIT season tip-off, that never really made sense to me. The the fact that they had it on – it was Thanksgiving and Black Friday, you said? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that made no sense. Still more full than a Nets game, I will say, but uh, they really butchered the schedule. But, you know, that's great. You know, four, four tournament wins in a row, and can't, can't really not, not many programs can say that. It's got to be pretty strange playing in an empty arena. I, I remember I had to convince my family – every once in a while, to switch it to the ESPN broadcast of the NIT season tip-off just so I could check how the Cats were doing. Mm-hmm. And all you saw was just rows of empty seats. I'd <laughs> never seen anything like it before. Yeah. yeah. And you can hear, there, like, echoes like if someone yells. Like, that's, that's never good. <laughs> no. There were probably, like, 25 people in attendance. Great if you're the 25 people. I'm sure the tickets were dirt cheap. I'm sure... It was a great alternative way to spend Thanksgiving. And no lines at concession stands, too. That That's awesome. Oh, yeah, that's true. Never thought of it like that. No problem with parking, I'm assuming. No problem probably getting out, either. Yeah, also true. So many perks. <laughs> so many perks to be one of 25. Now, we gave them flack for joining this rec ball league, Tony. But, you know, I was thinking about it a little more. It just didn't make, like, it just didn't make sense to me. 
why Villanova would play with this kind of talent. You know what I mean? Like next year they're going to the Battle for Atlantis again. You're going to get some big boys there. And then I look around at like some what some other schools in the Big East are participating in. You had Butler. They were at the Phil Knight thing in Oregon that I complained to you about. Mm-hmm. And then you have Georgetown. They're at the thing in Maui with Chaminade. And that's always getting some big boys. But then I thought about it, and I was like, there, there has to be a reason why. There, there needs to be a reason why Villanova went out of their way to play against sub-top 75 teams. There's better be a good reason, whatever you're coming up with. Now, what state is Chris Jenkins from? Is he from Maryland? Well, he went to school in Maryland at Gonzaga College High School, but he was born in South Carolina. By now, I'm sure everyone in Villanova is familiar with it. You know, he was born in South Carolina. His mom had to take care of his baby sister who was sick. She ended up getting a coaching job in South Carolina. So she sent him to stay with the Brits who ended up adopting him. And so, you know, you had Nate Britt at UNC and you had Chris Jenkins at Villanova and they played against each other. It was a great story that really came out during the whole March Madness run to the Final Four, you've got to be familiar with it, right? Like, you, you've heard this story before. Yeah, pl- plenty of times. I still don't understand how this relates to Charleston. So he's got a lot of family in, in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And what state is Charleston in? South Carolina. Now, Jay Wright, he likes to give his seniors a little homecoming game. You know, it's why Villanova played Lehigh in that hockey arena. I can't even remember what the name of that arena was, but it was to give Darren Hilliard a homecoming game because it was only 20 minutes away from his house in Bethlehem. And then you have Jay, you know, he tries to schedule, or if if they're not playing, like, for example, Josh Hart in Maryland, like, they're going to play Georgetown there in that area. Like, if you're not going to, if you don't already have, like, a conference opponent, he goes out of his way to hook you up with a nice little send-off in a hometown game so your family can come and see you. And so I would like to think that is why Villanova played in the Charleston Classic because Chris Jenkins had a lot of his family and extended family in attendance for the whole tournament. I like your reasoning because it will help me rationalize this whole thing better. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess you're right. I don't know. Jay works in mysterious ways. I'll, I'll give it to you on this one. This one I can get behind. I I I just really hope that's why. I, I I really hope it's not like, oh, this is the best tournament we could get into. Oh. I just really hope it was it was he was trying to hook up Chris Jenkins and his family. You know, you get to see Chris, you get to see Chris run around. Jenkins gets to play in front of his family. It's a good time. At least I hope. <laughs> a man can only hope. He didn't play too too hot, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess he, at least he got his family there. So that's cool. Now, football transitioned over to hand egg. Good old hand egg. Yeah. Now, we talked about how they needed to win the Battle of the Blue against yeah. rival Delaware to stay in the playoff conversation. Yeah. Philadelphia took care of business, beating the run-heavy Blue Hens on the road 41-10. to 10. Uh, The defense, yet again, they held Delaware to just 117 yards on the, on the ground. And as we talked about last week, that is pretty much their only form of offense. So to do that, that that's pretty good. And it was uh, an average of 3.7 yards per carry on top of it. So, you know, you hold them under four yards, which is, you know, about the threshold of being, you know, a good good running team. Zach Menardic had a nice bounce back game. 13 for 17, 195 yards, and uh, four touchdowns to boot. And then Matt Gudzik uh, led the rushing attack with 121 yards and a touchdown. So for all your fantasy players out there, that's 18.1 points. And he caught another touchdown, so tack on six to that. Aaron Forbes, uh, you know, the superstar underclassman, he went down with an injury early in the game. And, yeah, I'm, we're not exactly sure how he how that injury has turned out so far, but we will uh, try to keep everyone updated on Yeah, that Forbes injury is definitely a big blow. But, I mean, their goal was to give Andy Talley one last go at the postseason before he steps down at the end of the season, and they got the job done for their coach. Yeah, nice little gesture to win, you know, the biggest rivalry. Yeah, the biggest rivalry game there is for Cali. And now you get to send them off with a home playoff game. (laughs) 
Villanova will actually get to host the playoff game, too. They're going to take on the St. Francis Red Flash this Saturday at 2 p.m. I feel like the Red Flash, they, I feel like they popped up in March Madness over the last few years. Yeah, they, yeah. I believe they, they play in the NEC for, uh, for basketball as well. They, they won the NEC for FCS purposes. Yeah, that, that conference is weird. They're, they're always the 16th seed, no matter who wins that conference. Yeah, yeah, and in the big in the big dance, they're usually always a 16 seed. Mm-hmm. They got schools like Robert Morris, Duquesne, Bryant, Wagner. Just so you're familiar with who's coming out of this league for all of you listening. Yeah, and Fairleigh Dickinson in New Jersey for uh, basketball. I forgot about FDU. Yeah. I remember Jay Wright, after they played FDU to open the 2015-16 season, he tweeted at FDU, but tweeted at the wrong one. He tweeted at the wrong campus. Yeah, he tweeted at the wrong campus, which then made me learn that there were other FDUs lying around. Yep, and the one he tweeted to was D3, so yeah. <laughs> Flash is 7-4 and four this season. They went 5-1 and one in conference play en route to winning the conference championship. They're led by a quarterback named Zach Dreyer, who threw for 21 TDs and 10 interceptions this season. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good ratio. It's not bad. The winner will take on eight-seeded South Dakota State, and if you win that, you get to take on the five-time defending champions, North Dakota State. <laughs> Talk about a death match, Jesus. Where, where yeah, you? honestly, the Wildcats, they, they've had their odds stacked against them in so many ways this year. Yeah, really. Jesus. I mean, the, I mean never would you have thought that the Dakotas would be uh, powerhouses in any way. But here you are hoping to beat St. John, uh, St. John, oh my God, St. Francis just to take on South Dakota. And if you somehow win in their place, you got to go take on the biggest dog on the wall. At the Fargo Dome. I don't even think they've lost there in like six years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's probably rivaling the pavilion home street. And, and this isn't even, this is just to get to the final four. <laughs> this isn't yeah. for the championship. Yeah, like you can get past North Dakota State for all you all intents and purposes. You can lose the next one, and then it's over. And it's all over. You didn't even get the championship game. It's like good job, good job, guys. High, high fives all around. Yeah, you just did community service for the rest of the field, who's now <laughs> happy knowing that there's a chance. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> community service. I never heard it put like that. That's good. Now, Chris, are you ready for the not so good news? Oh wait, that's right. I forgot you posed that uh, question. Yeah, yeah, I gave you all the good news. That's all the good news I have in the bag. Okay, well, that's a lot of good news. Yeah, that is a lot of good news. It, it, you know, we got some exciting times. We got a, a new national champion adding to the year of the Cats. I mean, come on. Like, you had, in April, Chris Jenkins with the shot. Then you had Kyle Lowry win gold with Team USA Basketball. Then you had Matt Caesar and the Chicago Cubs break that 108-year streak. And now you have Patrick Tiernan upsetting a 15-time champion. That's a pretty That's a pretty sweet year for Villanova. That, that is freaking awesome. That is, that, that is cool. <laughs> oh, and Villanova still undefeated, and they won the Charleston Classic. Okay. So, so what's the bad now, news? Now we can get to the bad news. Mm-hmm. First, we're going to start off with the end of a magical run, and that is the men's soccer team. They lost in their first ever NCAA tournament game, losing 2-0 to zero on the road in Akron, Ohio. Mm. Nick Hines of the Zippies, the Zips, which, is, which we talked about last time, our kangaroos, yeah. he capitalized on a Villanova mistake and got the Zips their first goal in the 20th, or sorry, the 30th minute, then he added an insurance goal late in the second half, scoring again in the 78th minute. Villanova was playing on his heels the whole time. And we talk about our shot discrepancies, mm-hmm. shot differences. Akron held a 20-2 to two shot advantage over the Wildcats. Whoa. <laughs> Villanova had only one shot in the first half and one shot in the second half. You can't win games like that. Oh my god, no. 
I mean, they were playing with fire before, and I guess it works in the Big East Conference, but not in not, not come tournament time. Well, you see, then they had like eight. This is this was just two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is true. This, it hasn't been this bad. And, and that's shots on goal, or is it just just shots? Shots in general. Oh, so they might not even have been on goal. We we haven't confirmed. Oh, correct. Tom Carlin, the head coach, said it was definitely tough having a lot of inexperienced guys to go against a team with lots of NCAA experience. We granted this was the first ever time that Villanova's gone dancing for the men's soccer team, and only the fifth time that the Wildcats finished with at least ten wins. They're going to end the year with a ten eight and three record. Baby steps. Are you? You know, is this hopefully the start of something new? I mean, I hope so. I mean, we talked about it last week how we really want soccer to. No, at least I do. I want soccer to really take off, and at this school, um, I think it's a great sport, and I think very underappreciated. Um, but it, and you just need you need a good team to really get everyone interested again. And if this is any indication that it should change soon enough, and we talked about it last week as well, you know. With Akron having that tournament experience, that Final Four run last year, I mean, I I, knew, I figured they would win, but I didn't think it was going to be that big of a discrepancy. But I guess that just shows what experience does. It goes a long way. Yeah, you know, you make it to your first NCAA tournament appearance. Hopefully this attracts some good recruits to come in, start changing the face of the program. Mm-hmm. It's just tough. You know, I, I kind of wish that our school went behind our teams that were doing so well, like, you know, I feel like in high school, if, like, the girls' tennis team was doing well, the whole school came out to support the girls' tennis team. You know, aside from just football, basketball, or, like, the mainstays. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, here in college, it's, at Villanova, it's men's basketball or bust, which is kind of sad because we have, like we've talked about before, a great track and field program. A solid football program under a legendary coach. You had women's volleyball last year make it to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Then you had men's soccer this year. I just kind of wish we 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 went all out for for our athletes. Yeah, I I agree. We talked about it last year a lot when we were riding the uh, volleyball wave. It was kind of sad that no one was getting behind and no one knew what the heck was going on. Oh yeah, we were on that bandwagon first, and we were opening it up to everybody. Everybody was allowed because the more the merrier. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now speaking of volleyball, mm. unfortunately, you I think you know where this is going. Seeing how this is in the bad news section. Yeah, they lost, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They really had a tough road ahead. They had to beat the Friars, then they had to beat the Blue Jays. You get last place first, first place second. They needed to win both to get into the Big East tournament. They beat the Friars 3-1. to one. Okay, that's fine. Then you go over to Omaha, Nebraska, where they take the Blue Jays on. The undefeated Blue Jays, 17-0 and 0 in conference play. And Villanova went to the death. They went to the death, Chris. But unfortunately, they lost in five sets. Blue Jays came out on top, 25 to 22, 21 to 25, 25 to 20, 22 to 25, and 15 to 6. Wow. They they battled. This was the only time Creighton went all five sets against the biggest opponent, and they almost got upset in their own arena. That would have been huge. I didn't, I, I didn't, I, let me be honest with you, I did not look up the box work. Previous to this episode, I just knew they lost. I didn't see the, the sets. I, I did not know this went five. Wow, they they really wanted it. <laughs> they just couldn't. They just couldn't pull off that last set. Oh. I mean, I and and yeah, the last uh, fifth set goes to, only goes to fifteen, but it was that was that was a pretty big discrepancy right there. I think Creighton pretty much had that uh had that lockdown. Yeah, Villanova beat itself with six errors in that fifth set. So, you know, you just kind of take six points off, mm-hmm. and it could have been a whole different game. Agreed. 
But that, I, honestly, that, that's their season in a nutshell. Yeah, you battle back. You, you lose a set, you battle back. Lose a set, battle back. And you have all the momentum going to the last set, and it just comes crushing down. And it's sad to see because, you know, the team last year was so fun to watch. And, you know, this year you kind of felt like they could kind of replicate it if they can get, just get in that tournament. But it wasn't meant to be. You know, Josh Steinbeck, he had some interesting things to say after the loss. He basically said, you know, it was while it was great to see the team fight to the death like that, you know, really give it their all, if they just had the same intensity in some games that they should have won earlier in the year, they'd still be playing on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it's sad when things go like that. Mm-hmm. He's right. Um, but, yeah, this just – Something funny to point out: Creighton lost two sets, and they had in this game they only had lost three sets all year before that. So that was um, so half of their sets they lost this year. This was all for more than two thirds. The two thirds of the set they basically Villanova matched two thirds of the sets in conference play that they had lost. <laughs> yep, okay. I guess that's silver lining. Creighton's super sophomores, Jaylee Winters, had a game high. 22 kills for the Jays, and then Taryn Cloth added another 16. Meanwhile, for Nova, they had three different players finish with 13 kills each. Claire Crutchfield, Amanda Peterson-Henry, and Darcy Wolf. Now, Villanova just misses the Big East tournament, finishing the season 18-13 and overall, and 9-9 at Big East play while Creighton becomes the first team in Big East volleyball history to go undefeated in conference play. Okay, congrats to the Blue Jays. That's, that's as impressive as it gets. And hopefully for Villanova, they're able to regroup for next year and make another push for the tournament. Now if we move on to women's basketball. Now they didn't have any make-or-break games like soccer or volleyball did. So that you know, that's good. You know, it, it's not over. It's nowhere near over. They've only played three games this season so far. A lot, a lot of basketball left. Mm-hmm. They did have their home opener on Sunday. They lost a closely contested battle with George Washington. Came down to the last second. Wildcats had a couple chances to tie it up, but ultimately lost seventy-two to sixty-nine. One bright spot was Janet Tucker. We've talked about here. One bright spot was Jana Tucker. We've talked about her before. Tennessee transfer, redshirted freshman year with the Volunteers, had a season-ending injury her second year, needed a fresh start, found her way onto Nova after barely playing in Tennessee. She was a top-10 recruit coming out of high school. So she finally got to show some of that hype. She dropped 21 points in her Pavilion debut. First game for Nova at home, pretty good. Pretty good, right? Oh, yeah, that, that's a fantastic stat line. Um, and additionally, Megan Quinn had 18 points in Alex Lewin and added another 12. And those are three names you should uh, probably familiarize yourselves with because they will probably be the big three going for the rest of the year if I, if I search Andrew Seven. Now, Kayla Smith, one of our reporters, was at the game covering it for us. Mm. And she said that the Villanova student section in attendance read the Gettysburg Address while the opposing team was shooting free throws. That's pretty clever. Yeah, that, that's outside the box, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's better than nursery rhymes, better than <laughs> children's songs. I, you know, I, I think that's pretty funny. You know, you come in and you just scream out four scores and seven years ago. Now, while she was taking notes and laughing along at this, mm-hmm. she was sitting next to a pair of GW radio broadcasters. We're calling the game. I'm actually pretty surprised. Side note that they actually sent someone all the way up yeah. to get all the way up to Nova to broadcast the game. Mm-hmm. That's sort of for another time. But they kept referring to what the student section was reading as the preamble. What? They didn't do this just <laughs> once. They did it multiple times. Oh, no. <laughs> You're from the D.C. area. What are you doing? <laughs> How do you not know this? 
You go to a school called George Washington. How do you not know the difference? Yeah, one day Lincoln. <laughs> one is not Mr. Jefferson. Let's figure it out. <laughs> Four scores and seven years ago versus we the people. Really? Cute, like, man. really? Like, come on. <laughs> come on, people. Know your American history. And, you're, and like you said, George Washington. Come on. Papa George would not be happy about that. He's rolling over in his grave. Your mascot is the Colonials. Yeah. yeah. It is. <laughs> how do you not know? Like, I just don't understand how you not know the difference. I, 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 that's, that's like if someone, like, I don't know, uh, missung the uh, national anthem at a Patriots game. This wouldn't be right. This wouldn't be right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Star Spangled Banner, someone singing the lyrics. And then someone at Patriots game is like, oh, is that God Bless America? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not God Bless America. Come on, people. This is America. Know your stuff. Now, that's it for the news, Chris. Hmm. That's it for the news. Okay. We're, we're going to digress. I digress from George Washington. Yeah. George Washington, yeah. Thomas Jefferson, Abe Lincoln, all of our great American heroes are rolling in their graves right now. Every time the GW broadcaster referred to the Gettysburg Address as the preamble. Fun, what are you doing? Fun, fun fact. Uh, I actually had, um, back in sixth grade, we had to memorize the Gettysburg Address. Now, you didn't have to memorize the whole thing, but if you did, you had to stand in front of the class and perform it, and you would get five extra points in an airhead. I, I was the only one to do it. I was very happy I got that airhead. The airhead more meant more to me than the five points at the time. That's pretty good. That reminds me of the time uh, in fifth grade when we had our tests on U.S. states. You got a bonus point for every capital you could correctly identify with the state. Did you get all- so I went ahead and I studied all 50 capitals and I got 150% and a sticker. <laughs> boy. Was it a scratch and sniff sticker? It was not. No. Still I've a- never had one of those. Really? I used to get them all the time. It was just a smiley face. Yeah. Like like the the classic go to teacher sticker. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway. Now we have one question from the mailbag. Mm-hmm. And as promised, we will take any question and we will answer it. Mm-hmm. And this one is from Mike Stanziel. Why are the Packers bad? <laughs> oh, Michael. Don't you, shouldn't you be studying for something? I don't know. Um, why are the Packers bad? I, 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 As a Packers fan, Chris, why are the Packers bad? Because their defense can't stop a nosebleed, their coach is an idiot, and their quarterback's a prima donna who's dating Yoko Ono 2.0. That's it. They're old. They're not exciting. They have no one under the age of 28 that has any form of talent. They're constantly hurt. Um, but yeah, the honeymoon phase is over. The Packers suck. And I think it's for the best, honestly. Now, I think it's because Aaron Rodgers has a lot of bad karma. I heard that he didn't go to his grandfather's funeral. Yeah. I also read that his one of his best buddies asked him to be a groomsman. He didn't let him know that he couldn't come until the day before by text. Didn't even give him a phone call. It's like, yeah, can't come. Yeah. And apparently if his family wants to get tickets to Packers games, they're going to have to go to his teammates because he's not handing them out. Yeah. He, he hates not, not a good look for Mr. Rogers. No, he hates his family. And it's a shame. He, he became too obsessed with himself and his job. But, you know, it's always a, it's a good thing to an extent. But the, but the way he's gone about it is just absolutely disgusting. It, to quote, I, th- I think it was Batman. I think it was Batman. You, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Past two Packer quarterbacks have uh, fit that mold, for sure. 
I mean, not I'm not saying that Aaron should have retired after two like last year or, or whatever, but yeah, it's uh, this is an unfortunate situation. But hopefully, you know, this team will clean house, get some new voices in there, new blood, get younger, get a high draft pick. Just don't draft your Brill Peppers, just please. I will abandon football if that happens. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all you can hope for at this point. Now I got a question for you. This Thursday is a great American holiday. What you got lined up for this Thanksgiving? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, you're going by my grandparents' house because my grandmother's doing Thanksgiving for the first time in a while. Um, she always used to do it, and then my mother took it over. And, you know, back to her. Um, and then that's it for Thanksgiving, and then I'm right back into the office on Friday <laughs> because life is Life is the biggest troll. Life is the biggest troll. But uh, I will enjoy my Thanksgiving. I'm happy I'll be with friends and family. Um, so what about you? What are you doing? Going over to my uncle's house. Interestingly enough, no one in my family really likes turkey, except for maybe my sister. So we don't have turkey on Thanksgiving. What do you have, ham? We have, a, we, we have either ham or chicken, sometimes both. Maybe sometimes, you know, some years we've had a giant roast. But, yeah, we don't have turkey. We do not eat turkey at the Repay household. Really? That's yeah. I'm, I have yet to meet another person who says that they don't have turkey on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I feel like for families that don't even like turkey, they still make the turkey anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I've, that's what I've like, heard from people who don't like turkey. They, they'll get, like, a small turkey or, like, the smallest turkey possible, and they'll have it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's fun. I don't think my family has any else weird sports. Other than that, we try to make it an Italian dinner more. So my grandmother will put out like salami and prosciutto, and it's just like, oh, come on, it's, it's American, it's not Italian, but yeah, that's that's pretty fun. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Oh. My mom's stuffing. That that, yeah. is, that is my favorite food. I'm going with stuffing too. Stuffing is so good. Stuffing. Something about Thanksgiving stuffing. Great. It's it's actually yeah probably the most underrated food she makes. And and honestly, until you asked that question, I completely forgot about it, and now I can't wait to finish it. <laughs> I think it's like one of those things that you forget about. I think that's why it's so good because you only really have it around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it usually goes good with whatever meat and sauce is like around. I don't know. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree. You know, I've also been thinking mm-hmm. there are no real Thanksgiving movies. Like Charlie Brown doesn't count. Like, like you know, if you – with Christmas, I can name 20 off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But with Thanksgiving, I don't think there's a single Thanksgiving Day movie. No. Just solely based around Thanksgiving, no. I mean, like, you get, like... Valentine's Day has one. Yeah. I mean, even Groundhog Day. Like, how did Groundhog's Day get one? <laughs> Groundhog's Day has a movie. True. Yeah, there's no... There's Halloween movies. Yeah. There, there are movies centered around St. Patty's Day. Independence Day. Independence Day. How was there not one for Thanksgiving? I feel like you have a lot with this. Yeah, you honestly can't think of it. There's been plenty of movies with Thanksgiving Day scenes, but there hasn't been one just solely based around the holiday. Wow. That's that is hilarious that you pointed that out. I'm gonna go I'm gonna do some Google searching after this. Yeah, after this episode, or if anyone out there knows of a Thanksgiving themed movie that isn't Charlie Brown, please please let us know. Tweet at us. Anything. Because we are so curious. Yeah, I would love to know. Chris, on the beautiful holiday of Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful that I got to go to Villanova four years. And great friends and great people. I'm thankful for my cat. And yeah, family, friends, you know, the whole, the whole spiel. I love everybody. <laughs> what about you, Eugene? <laughs> you know, 
I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for family. I'm also thankful because I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of my friends, I know you, you know, you have a job and I'm grinding. And I don't know. I just feel like post-graduation worked out for everybody. I feel like everybody's okay. And you got to be thankful for that too. I, yeah, I agree. I was actually, we were actually, I was actually talking about this with Tom Shea the other day. That uh, every, everyone's, you know, so far so good. Six months in. Like, I think yeah, six. Everyone's doing okay for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be thankful for that. You got to be thankful for your health. Definitely thankful for the readers and the listeners uh-huh. out there who have helped make VUBenchmom.com what it is today. Mm-hmm. Without the support of you guys, we would be nothing. We, would, we, would be not, we wouldn't be here right now. This podcast would not exist. No, it wouldn't. Thank you. <laughs> and you also got to be thankful for Chris Jenkins, who on the night of April 4th had a beautiful shot that I think will be one of the top 10 moments of my life. And I don't think anything I'm, I, I will go out there and boldly say on wax that it is definitely on the top 10 moments of my life. And I don't think it'll be removed at some point. I, I, I'd even say top five. I thought about that, but I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go and say top 10. I'm gonna give myself a little cushion. Okay. Good. Idea. Well, thank you for listening to state of the Nova nation. Have a great, happy Thanksgiving drive safe, travel safe. Enjoy the time with their families. Enjoy some football. Maybe do some Black Friday shopping. Just enjoy the holiday weekend with your friends, with your family, and have a good time. And we will be taking the holiday off, so we will not see you until next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you don't miss us too much. Yep, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about another cat's win. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on the Twitter sphere at ViewBenchMob. You can also follow me on my personal Twitter, Eugene Pay. At you repay five. You can follow me, Chris Stansiel, at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. We'll catch you back on Tuesday.